Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Why is he worthy? I can't help but think about the subject this morning is, is on forgiveness. So I want you to think about a, a dump truck. I used to drive a dump truck before I went to college at a quarry. And it's just filled with sin. And, and God asks you to back up the truck. Back up the dump truck. And, and think about all your sins you've committed. For some of you, we'd be here till next week. Because when we start backing up that dump truck and just slowly start taking away the sin of pride, covetousness, disobedience, lust, lying, cheating, stealing, and it, you just keep dumping it at his feet. And then you, the truck gets lowered and then he washes it with a cleansing water and the truck's purified to go down and, and get another load and come back again and again. And that's why we praise him so much this morning. Well, I have a lot to be in prayer about and praise about this morning. I, I just want to show you this picture here this morning that uh, that was my daughter was in that, Sarah. And we have a lot of people on Facebook had been asking, she, a couple scratches. So I'm praising God this morning for saving us of the grief that I could be under, we could be under now. I'm so thankful the girls in the car, uh, nobody got hurt at all except some, some bumps and bruises. So I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for your life and my life that we've been forgiven of sin. And I'm grateful for one more thing, the new life of a new grandbaby that's here this morning with us. Come on now. Cheryl's, Cheryl's first time here at our new grandberry. Let's see, what's, what's, what's her name? Uh, 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 Blakely. Blakely, okay. So we're thankful for that. And I've already heard some of the praises that you're thankful for this morning. So let's go to God in prayer. And we're thankful that you're here looking in with us online. Father, we are grateful for the forgiveness that you have granted each one of us. A debt that has been paid in full because of the cross. And we talk about a lot of things, we think about a lot of things, but our minds are on you this morning, together, collectively. We ask you to honor that for God's sake, for Christ's sake. May we be aware of your presence all around us. I love that book again, Seeing Jesus. He was surprised you just showed up. But really, Father, there's nowhere we can go that you aren't already there. And help us think about that and meditate on that as we open up our hearts to receive the truths from your word, from God's hand, written down on a piece of paper so that we could become familiar with you and your plan for us. And we love what we've read. Now we want to apply it to our lives. Father, thank you so much for forgiveness. Thank you for life. Thank you for eternal life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated at this time. As we think about this morning's message about forgiveness, I want to tell you where we've been. We're in a series called a Believer's Behavior. 
Have you ever looked at someone at work once in a while, your neighbor, and they say they're a believer, and you're going, where's the behavior that matches with a believer? It's conduct. And so we've talked about the only way I can know that you're a believer, by the way, it isn't because I said a prayer. Isn't because you got baptized. Isn't because you showed up in church. The only way I have of knowing, the only way you know that I'm a believer or that I know you are a believer, God said it, is by the love that we have for one another. I see some of you frowning right now. You need to start smiling at me. You, you're supposed to love me whether you like it or not. And I got to love you whether I like it or not. You know, we, I had a privilege of speaking to about 400 men this at the Band of Brothers. We had anybody go to Band of Brothers? I see a couple up here that have been to Band of Brothers. It was an awesome experience. And, and I was speaking about um, the impact that we have on people, the negative impact and the positive impact. And how I long to be in the presence of people that would love me. And I shared my testimony. And uh, I looked over at this one man who's always in charge of putting things like Wilbert is up, up there and, and uh, on the screen for you so we can enjoy some of the scriptures. And I looked over and I, I said, God, thank you for that man and the impact that he's had on all those men. Uh, he, he is so loving. I said, I just want to go live in your home. That's how kind, how loving David Rodriguez is. Do you know, I pray that my wife and I have been that kind of pastor and pastor's wife to you. That when you're in our presence and if you knock on our door in our home, it is our great desire to open our arms and welcome you into our home. Because I remember what it was like not living in a home where I was comfortable, feeling unloved. And I want to love you back properly. I want to love God back, and the way I do that is by loving you. It's the only piece of evidence you have and I have that we're in love with Jesus. Then the second thing is being patient with one another. It's the other piece of evidence that we love God. Yes, that means being patient with your spouse. Hey, I fly off the handle at my, my wife who's aggravating sometimes. No, she's not aggravating. I can fly off of the handle for anything. Just, just hit me at the wrong time. I'm right in the middle of a great play. Why, honey? You ever done that? I'm outside. Never. <laughs> he just lied. So. This sermon's for you about forgiveness. <laughs> so you didn't escape. You're, you're outside and somebody says, I remember one time. Everything was going cool. I was walking with God. Nothing in my life wrong. Sins are confessed. My wife's in the bathroom asking me something, and I couldn't hear. And she asked again, oh, what do you want? Oh, and I go, oh, dang it. I was not patient. I had to go and confess, honey, I'm sorry. You see, the Christian life is a wonderful life, but it's filled with bumps and bruises, and we need to walk in forgiveness. And then Jacob brought up the subject last week of being united with one another. Other piece of evidence that we belong to Christ is that we're united. And that's why God commanded us not to forsake the assembling of believers. Because he wants us to be united together. 
So when I got saved, I see it. I see Sean doing the same thing. Sean, raise your hand up front there, Sean. See, Sean can't wait to be at church. Every single service, he can't wait to be in your house. He'll even come over to eat food with you if you, if you invite him. He just, he just can't be around enough Christians. He's forsaken his old life. He reminds me of what happened to me when I got saved. I just wanted to be around believers. Even if they were horrible believers, I didn't mind. They were better than the believers we used, uh, the unbelievers we used to have, right? Even you smell pretty good. Well, today, though, today's an important subject. It's about forgiving one another as evidence that you love God. The question to you this morning is, is Jesus is present. Do I love you, Jesus? And do I forgive others? Some of the hardest people to forgive are the people that are closest to us. So we want to look at that subject this morning. By the way, a, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Let me repeat that. The, a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. We believe forgiveness is a matter of faith and has more to do with our relationship with God than the person who hurts us, Dr. Bruce Hebel. Let me repeat that one more time. We believe forgiveness is a matter of faith and has more to do with our relationship with God than the person who hurt us. So how you forgive your spouse, your children, or you forgive your mom and daddy says a lot about your relationship with God. I want us to look at four things this morning, and one is the mandate to forgive one another. And I want to quote from the Lord's Prayer. We all know the model prayer. Some of us used to rattle it off like it was uh, someone was speaking in a foreign tongue. We didn't really mean it. But I want you to think about what God told us as a body to do. He said, give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. If you say, and if I ask everyone this morning to raise your hand, I love God. Okay, let's do that. I love God. Would you raise your hand? Okay. Anybody not love God, would you raise your hand? You're in the wrong place. Now, let me ask you this. If you love God, you must love others. I want you to think with me right now. Is there anybody on your ledger list that you have not forgiven? And I'm talking about the person that may be sitting right next to you. Then this message is for you. Again, someone said, if, well, if you can't love those you see, how can you love a God who you cannot see. See how it's evidence that you love him? Some think they can be right with God and yet be out of fellowship with their brother or sister in Christ. You know why? It reminds me of this illustration. A little boy disobeyed his mother, but his conscience began to hurt him. He was sneaking up to his room when his mother saw him. Where are you going, Frank? She asked. To my room to talk to God. 
Isn't it something you can tell me? Frank explained, yes, it is. You'll just scold and punish me while God will forgive me and forget about it. See, sometimes it is easy for you just to go to God. But that's not enough. You must go to your brother or your sister in Christ and forgive them. Whether you've offended them or they've offended you. Remember, the scripture also teaches us something else about forgiveness. Some of you give online. Some of you are faithful to give your tithes and offerings. God said, I don't even want that. Until you first go and get right with your brother in Christ. There are many people who have offended me over the years. I've never offended anybody else. See how you rubbed off on me up here? You had to say that. But there's many people that really hurt me, and I have forgiven them because I'm in love with Christ. Some think they have a right to be angry with others. As I shared my testimony this weekend, there's many things that I felt I had a right to be angry about. But God doesn't let you or me be angry with others and have a beautiful relationship with Jesus. So he says something about it in, in the prayer, the model prayer. But there's another passage about forgiveness that's mandated or mandates forgiveness found in Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I want to show you this little picture to remind us about forgiveness. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Lewis Smeets. God says something about forgiveness to you and me and forgiving one another, but he also says something about the quantity of forgiveness that's mandated in Peter's inquiring. Found in Matthew chapter 18, the question was posed to Jesus, how many times should I forgive my husband, my wife, my children, my boss, my employee, my employer. Well, Peter didn't say all that, but that's what he really was saying. God, how many times should I forgive my brother? You know, guys joke in this area. And they say, my wife does not get hysterical. She gets historical. Wives say, my husband doesn't get mad because he thinks he's never done anything bad. See that rhyme? We got, I was going to put a rap to it. My husband doesn't get mad because he thinks nothing he's done is bad. Someone has said this about forgiveness. Keep a short memory. That's what we want to tell our spouses. Keep a short memory. Matthew 18 tells us about quantity of forgiveness in case you're keeping a ledger and getting historical. 
So Peter came to him and said to him in Matthew 18, Lord, how, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Of course, the religious leaders had told each other and preached to others three times. We've heard a lot about one, two, three strikes, you're out. Well, he thought he was doing a good job by telling Jesus, well, how about seven times? Is, is that enough? And, of course, Jesus replied to us, and we know this, and they're very familiar with this. I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. All you have to do is look in the mirror and think about how many times God has forgiven you. I don't know how it is possible for you to be out of fellowship with God by forgiving, not forgiving someone else who sinned against you. I want you to know that you're to forgive over and over and over again. Now, you may not have committed the, the, the big sins that we all talk about, but there, there is so many sins that we commit. I, I was just thinking in my office, four or five, six sins entered my mind. That is the truth. In my mind, while I was in my office preparing and reviewing. Now, I did not meditate or rest on those sins, and no, they weren't the big five sins of drugs, alcohol, and sex, and rock and roll. Pride, arrogance, other kinds of sins. It just creeped in my mind. It was being attacked. I had to pray, God, please, please protect my mind from the enemy because God used us in a great way yesterday. And when God uses you in a great way, you have to humble yourself because the enemy's coming after you. And I said, please protect my mind. Please protect the mind in the church that they'll receive from you what they need to receive. Please, God, please and right now, I continue to pray, Lord, protect the minds of your children in this place right now. We're looking in online. Protect them from the fiery darts of poisonous sin that the enemy wants to pour in our minds and attack our hearts. May our hearts and minds be open to receive from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, some people did some big things to you, so they've offended you over and over again, and that's hard to forgive. And but you don't understand the offense. Well, let's go to a parable found in Matthew 18. And I pray that God would use this parable to help remind us that it doesn't matter how big the offense, God still wants you to forgive. Here it is. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. Now of pity for him. The master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. 
So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you. Wow. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow, what has someone done to you that you cannot forgive? Is it running around in your mind? Well, if you think it's too big, think about how it has been modeled before us that nothing's too big to be forgiven of. And I want us to look not only at the mandate, but how it has been modeled Beginning in the garden, there Adam and Eve had been given every single thing on the face of this earth. God gave him everything. I mean, think about it. It's a, you, you have a credit card. You can go into any store you want and buy anything you want. You can have all the latest technology that you want. You can have the biggest house you want. You can have the finest car you want. I'm giving it to you. And like some children who you've given them everything, they still come back and want more and do not have a heart of appreciation. There Adam and Eve were in the garden and were not satisfied with what God gave them. And they rebelled against him and they sinned against him and they lost everything that God gave them. And yet he turned around in that next moment and he forgave them. How so? In Genesis 3.21, God reminds us of what he did. Very briefly, he said, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Well, it's a long story. Make it short in 10 seconds. God reminded us that innocence would die for the guilty. And an innocent animal was slayed the blood was spilled to cover their sin, and God clothed their outward nakedness as well as their inward nakedness. That was a big offense. It's a picture of what Jesus did for sinners on the cross when he died for a sinful world. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you can doubt, jot down that reference. The scripture reads, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think of the big, big sin that was committed at the cross where there the people who consented to the crucifixion of Jesus, 
the religious people who were waiting for the Messiah, saw the Messiah, rejected the Messiah, didn't know he was the Messiah, or didn't know he was the Messiah, and weren't satisfied with the Messiah, and consented to his death. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Jesus is hanging onto the cross with a couple other criminals. Here is what the scripture teaches us about that scene. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on the left. Jesus said, I mean, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. That's a big sin to be forgiven of so that we could be right with Jesus and the Father. By the way, he continued this example through other men. There was Stephen going through the same thing that Jesus went through in a different way. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting his message. They're rejecting Stephen. They're irritated at him because he told them, you're the one that have killed all the prophets. You're the ones that have killed the Messiah. And they were furious. You see, when you preach truth up here and it begins to fall on your heart, you're either going to do one or two things. You're going to get mad or get glad. You're going to get mad or get glad. But here's the scene that happened to Stephen. There he was, being stoned. And he cried out as he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Some say, theologians say, that Jesus stands for those who are being martyred for him. I don't know if that's true, but he did for Stephen. And he did exactly what he saw the Savior do. Father, forgive them. Do not hold this to their account or to this charge. What has someone done to you that you cannot forgive them of? I know I shared at the Band of Brothers, I had to forgive all that happened to me. You have to forgive all that your parents did to you, you did to your parents. What coach came and was bitter towards you and berated you? I know when I was in the army, it reminded me of some bad things. They, they're so nice to soldiers that come in. Oh, come here and sit down. Let me help you. Let me put a bib on you. You imbecile, you idiot, you. And they get in front of your face. You know what I did? I thought it was so humorous that I'd laugh. It made it worse for me because I laughed. They'd get in front of my face and their head just got bigger. Their, their nose started flaring in and out. Their lips, they were spitting in my face and cursing me out. And I, I couldn't do anything but laugh. I thought he was a clown. I think he made a clown out of me. I did so many push-ups. I'm telling you to this day, you guys know, I can do, I can knock out. You want to show you? No, that's pride. <laughs> I can knock out 60 one-arm push-ups still today within 60 seconds. I'm not lying. That's kind of bragging. I bet Father, forgive me. <laughs> After service, okay. <laughs> so God mandates forgiveness. He modeled forgiveness. Are you parents modeling forgiveness for your kids? I, I, I didn't grow up with that. 
Perhaps you did not grow up with that. And if you did not grow up in a believing home, that was not modeled for you. You know, my dad was 80 years old, and he walked into this church. He passed away a few years ago. He just said two or three words. He didn't tell me. He didn't go in any big story, and he just said to me, would you forgive me? Now, I would have loved for him to explain it, kind of rub it in. No, I'm just teasing. And I said, okay, Dad, I, I forgive you. Same thing with my mom. Would you forgive me? Well, I know I did some things wrong as a child. I, I mean, you look at me, probably thought I was a perfect little boy, but I wasn't. But my mom did some things, and I, I said, I forgive you. There wasn't a lot of explanation, and she said, will you forgive me? And I moved on with my life from that one instance or one incident. You may need to do the same right now. Why? It can affect your health. I want to talk about the many blessings for forgiving one another. If you don't believe that, let's look at the paralytic and, and tie sin and health together, at least sometimes. In Luke 5, here's what God taught us. Jesus knew what they were thinking as, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. You don't believe health can be tied to it? Let's read James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So what? You may be healed. Listen, some of you have been praying for healing a long time. And maybe, maybe, this is your cue. It doesn't mean, and Jesus said on other occasions, that just because you're sick or ill does not mean you have sin. We know that. We understand that. But let's flip the coin around and think about, hmm, it may be possible for you to be healed of that anxiety, be healed of that depression, be healed of that discouragement, be healed of this load that's on you. If you will forgive, and you may be healed. So, you want to forgive one another for your own health. Who's the miserable one when you don't forgive? That other person may be just going on their merry way, but you're the one full of bitterness. What are the benefits of forgiving someone? Let's look at it. I, I don't know if it's on the screen here, but, but healthier relationships. Improved mental health. Less anxiety. Stress and hostility. Ha! How many have taken blood medication? Lower blood pressure. Fewer symptoms of depression. A stronger immune system. Improved heart health. Improved self-esteem. The source? Mayo Clinic. It's not necessarily a religious institution telling you and me this. This is what they've observed. 
So you want to forgive one another because God told you, but there's something selfish in it for you, your own health. What about restoration with God? That's a blessing. You want to be restored with God? You right now are not right with God because of unforgiveness. And you cannot have a right relationship with him. We already quoted that passage. 2 Corinthians reminds us of this again. Chapter 5. That God was reconciling the world to himself, restoring relationship. If you want to understand that big fancy word in the King James and other translations, it means restored relationship. So God was restoring your relationship and our relationship, the world relationship to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, to you and me, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, not pastors only. All of us are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through you, through me. So the apostle said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God today. Through asking forgiveness, we have peace with God. Through God forgiving you, you have passed from life unto death. I quoted the story about Manasseh and King Nebuchadnezzar. You know about those dudes. They lived a wicked, wicked life. Nebuchadnezzar, God, made him even behave like an animal. And some people have behaved like an animal. Could be through drunkenness, through drugs, through bitterness. And then they bowed down on their knees and said, God, forgive me. I realize what a fool I've been. And God restored Nebuchadnezzar to the throne. He restored Manasseh to his throne. And so there's other benefits in getting right with one another and getting right with God. David said in Psalms 32, when I kept silent, which some of us try to do, my bones were wasting away. Boy, talk about health. Through my groanings all day long for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Does that tell you something about his health? Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And then in Psalms 41, I said, have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. See how they're tied together? Often, not every single time. The blessing in practicing and living in forgiveness. Psalms 47, one more from Psalms, all my enemies whispered together against me. They imagined the worst for me, saying, a vile disease has afflicted him. So I keep trying to tell you, there's a lot of sickness in our lives that might dissipate if we will live in forgiveness. So I'm not making it up. A vile disease has afflicted him. He will never give up, give up, get up from the place where he lies. 
Even my close friends, some I trusted. One who shared my bread has turned against me. But may you have mercy, Lord. Raise me up that I may repay them. So you see the link when I've been talking about the subject that many blessings come when we forgive one another and health can be restored. Your relationship with God can be restored and your relationship with one another can be restored. Ephesians 4 reminds us of that again. We just read it a while ago, but let's read it again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Don't we see that on display on television all the time, especially in the times that we're living in? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ. God forgave you. I want to bring up one incident, and that's Peter. Look at the blessings that came along with Peter. I told you, your health might be restored. Your relationship with God may be restored. Your position that was taken away from you could be restored, whether it's your position in your family, your position in employment, or your financial position. It can be restored through forgiveness. Peter thought it was finished. I mean, he was looked upon as the leader of the apostles. And you remember what he did. I I think that's a big sin. The reason I think that's a big sin, remember what Jesus said. He said, if you'll not confess me before men, then I'll not confess you before my Father in heaven. In other words, if you're ashamed of me. If you deny me before men, then I will deny that I know you before the Father. It looks like he just committed the unpardonable sin, doesn't it? It doesn't look like he can be forgiven. What sin have you committed that you think, I can't be forgiven? What worse sin? than I don't know that man and curse. I don't know this man. He walked on the water. I don't know this man. He saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. I don't know that man. He, he saw him tell the wind to shut up. I don't know that man. He, he heard him speak to the sea and say, be calm. I don't know that man. He saw the glory of God. He saw Moses and Elijah, and he saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he, he said, I don't know that man. What worse sin could you have possibly committed than denying Jesus Christ? And by the way, it's closely linked to the unpardonable sin, but that is not the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? Kind of closely linked to what I just said. I don't know Jesus and I don't want him. How can you be saved? How can you be pardoned? That's the only way you can be saved is by believing in Jesus Christ and identifying with him. So here's what Jesus did though, talking about forgiveness. You know, Peter went back fishing his old job He's thinking, there's no way I'm looked upon as the leader of the apostles. I'm through. It's finished. God's not going to use me anymore. You don't know what sin I've committed, preacher. God will forgive you. I'm not saying there's not consequences in this life, but he will forgive you. Your relationship with him can be restored. Possibly your position can be restored. 
and your place amongst your peers could be restored as it was in this case. Let's read it. Matthew 16, he said to them, but who do you say that I am in Pilate? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon. So he confessed he was God. We're looking into his past. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So you see, they have a relationship. And I know many of you, if not all of you, have a relationship with God here this morning. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, he's not making Peter the head of the church. There's a lot of uh, Greek studies that have to go into the stone and the rock, but that's not what he's saying. He's just saying, okay, Peter, you admitted this on this truth and other truths. Uh, I'm releasing it to you, apostles and you, and you're going to be able to share it with the world. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So this same Peter that God entrusted him with the keys of truths Proverbs and the parables and and the and the revelation he entrusted to the apostles. That was Peter, and then I told you the story of how he denied Jesus. So we pick up the scene on the beach. John chapter twenty-one. Peter thinks he's through. He's fishing with some of the apostles, going back to his old job. Some of you've quit on God. Because he hasn't answered your prayer just like you wanted him in the time that you wanted him to answer your prayer. So you've quit on God. Or you feel your sin so great that he's quit on you. I pray that you'll receive encouragement this morning from this passage of a man who denied God. And by the way, remember what Jesus said. To them that have been given much, much more is required. Did, did Peter not receive much? Don't, wouldn't you long to have experienced the things that Peter experienced? I mean, we're trying to get one miracle going. He had all these miracles he observed. Ah, now you're beginning to see your sin isn't as It's bad. It's bad. So don't think you're good. You're bad. You're bad. You're not good. But it's not as bad as the sin Peter committed. And let's see what Jesus said to him. Uh, remember that guy I told you about, David Rodriguez? I wanted to go be with him. I wanted to be in his home. He's just a loving man. That's who Jesus is. Are you full of that kind of love? Now you're going to meet Mr. Love. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? That's a debatable issue, what he was talking about. Was he talking about the apostles or was he talking about people in general? Remember, he said, I'm going to make you a fisherman of men. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So you see, 
You can be restored in your relationship with God by confessing your sins. Your health could be restored. Your position could possibly be restored on that job that you lost. Your position economically, socially could be restored by confessing your sin. All kinds of good things are going to happen when you confess your sin. But can you not see and sense the love of Jesus? Peter, do you love me? By the way, when you studied the Greek, the three, four Greek words that we know about translated into one word, love, he would not use, according to all the Greek scholars, he would not use the word agape, which is the highest form of love. He would only use the word phileo, which is a brotherly love, because he was so humbled by the fact that he had failed God. But you know, sometimes when you fail God, you serve him a lot better. Your failures, God can take all things and make them work for the good. Those who have been given for much actually serve much. I'll end with this, making forgiveness available. You see this guy? I don't know if we are able to see him on the screen. We may not be able to, but he was a police officer at one time. Do we have that up there? If we don't, that's fine. Um, we do. We do. Let me read what I found about this guy. He said, forgiveness is never easy, but it may be easier to forgive someone for what he has done to a loved one than for what he has done to you. Not so in the case of Stephen McDonald. In the 1980s, McDonald was serving as a New York City police officer. He was on patrol in Central Park when he came upon a group of teens who were suspected of armed robbery. A chase ensued, but McDonald caught up with the trio. He was patting down one of the suspects. Another shot him three times. The shooting left him paralyzed from the neck down, unable to breathe without the aid of a respirator. However, McDonald is a devout Christian. And so he turned the two pillars of his faith in his time of need. He was angry but he also was alive. Nine months after the incident, McDonald announced in a news conference that he had forgiven the young man who altered his fate. You see, Jesus of forgiveness. You see a man forgiving. Could you do that? You know, I, I talked to someone the other day and, and they said, I, I don't have problems with forgiveness. And and I would say that's not something I struggle with because I know how much I have been forgiven of. But I said, let a man mess with your children. What would you do then? How hard would it be if someone messed with your wife or your husband? Your children, even more so. This man forgave because it's God's plan for all believers. Revelation 13, 8 reminds us, all believers on the earth will worship the beast whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world, God is reminding you and me that has been in his plan before he created the heavens and the earth and before Adam and Eve sinned against him. Isaiah 53 reminds us of this passage. 
Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. Who's him? Jesus. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. You see, this has been God's plan from the beginning of the foundations of the earth to provide a banquet table of forgiveness. But he wants you to walk in it. And Jesus' death reminds us of this forgiveness in John, 1 John 2. My dear children, remember this is continual, not just to be saved. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice, or he makes amends, if you don't understand that word. He makes amends. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. And First Peter reminds us of the ongoing blessing that he has given us through Christ. So this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What he did for Peter, we are to do for one another. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Again, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. By his wounds, mainly describes and depicts the healing of our soul with God. Jesus promises to forgive you today. Are you struggling to ask him to forgive you? Have you done something so terrible that you feel he won't forgive you? Enough has been said to encourage you through the power of the Holy Spirit and through his scriptures to tell you he will forgive you. First John. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Again, you're walking in forgiveness and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If you or we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Well, I'll show a little clip in ending. You've seen this before with young people and older people. Reminding us of the offenses and reminding us of the action that we need to take with one another.
Praise God. And would you stand at this time? Please, this altar is here as they play the music, not to entertain you, but that you might look deep in your soul and think, is there anything I have not confessed to you, Lord? Is there somebody that I need to get right with? May it need to be a phone call, a letter, a text. If God's speaking to you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, doesn't mean you're sinning when you come to the altar. You may come to pray for someone else. I told you, I prayed for someone that sinned against me. I didn't do anything to them. And I forgive them, but they still need to confess to God. God's leading you this morning. Would you come? Finally, if you've never accepted him as your savior, he's willing to forgive you all your past. He's willing to receive you. Just say, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to put my faith in Jesus alone. Would you accept me? I give you my life. If you mean that prayer and say that prayer, he will save you right where you're at. We'd love to know if you did that because we're having baptisms Wednesday. So if God's leading you to come up and let us know or to pray for someone, would you come at this time? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.